Hello, it's Friday, July 2nd. I hope everybody had a great Canada Day. Welcome to the VTA. So this week, um, we are going to highlight the acreage changes in Canada as well as the United States. Some stock reporting. I'm going to talk a little bit about barley and then um, leave you guys with weather and things to think about. So um, what happened on the acre report? So the U.S. reported and Canada also reported their final acres coming out of seeding. Uh, what did Canada say? So Canada shows on barley a 10% increase um, year over year. Now that number might be a little bit lower than people in the trade think, which is closer to about 15%, um, but not really that different. Um, you know, canola acres are shown to be 8% up year over year, and that's a change of 4% from the March, um, so an increase, and we're sitting at 22.5 million acres, so quite a few acres went in the ground, and, you know, it is good that stats can increase their acres up, because a lot of people did not believe that it was only going to be 4%. Um, you know, lentils are shown to be up 2%, not surprising there, given the amount of demand coming out of India and other places. Um, oats, um, are down 11%. Peas are also down 10%. And the reason those two commodities would be down is with the increase in barley, um, the increase in the pushing of canola, right? So just more rotational um, than anything. And then, um, you know, your wheat is shown to be down 7% all in. Now, if you break that into classes, Durham wheat is down 3% and spring wheat is down 8%. Um, stats can posted a change of about a well they increased wheat acres on spring about one percent up from March but spring wheat is significantly down as barley and as canola gets pushed so um, that's Canada and um, what I would say about Canada and I'll talk about a little bit later in the weather is how much of those air acres are in those dry areas um, moving into the United States, um, the USDA was somewhat bullish this week, and, and that was because the corn, the soybeans, and the wheat plantings came in below what the trade was thinking it was going to be. So the trade had corn at over 93 million acres, um, and it came in only at 2% increase from 2020 and 92.7. So, so the USDA posted lower than people were thinking on corn number, um, and corn on its own is still you know, not necessarily super um, bullish. Um, it is tight when you reflect increased in global feed demand um, and with some of the weather concerns they're having in some of those corn belts and the northern plains. So it is getting tighter. It's not as tight as soybeans. Um, soybeans are showing 5% increase on acres year over year. They have the tightest balance uh, sheet, even with acres going up. Um, they're sitting with a under 200 million bushel carryout uh, for next year expected, which is very tight soybeans. So soybeans continue to be tight, even with acres increasing. Um, the acres cannot compensate for how much demand we are seeing in that market. Wheat um, is up 5.42% from 2020. Wheat is not tight on the balance sheet. Um, it is tight on spring wheat and it is tight on protein, but the winter wheat plantings really compensate for that tightness. Um, winter wheat is shown to be 9.59% up from 2020. And most of those areas, you know, your Texas, your Southern Plains, your Deltas areas, all of those are having really good weather. So the winter wheat planting plus the good weather are not good for the wheat. Um, and spring wheat plantings are 5% um, up year over year. Now, if you back up a little bit and you look at why I said winter wheat and why I was kind of bearish on, on wheat values in the United States, 
um, is because, you know, 33.7 million acres of winter wheat versus 11.5 spring wheat kind of says everything you need to know. There's a lot less spring wheat going in, in that whole wheat complex in general. So um, the USDA was somewhat bullish because of a lower than expected um, reporting stocks uh, also and, and what stocks are is your carryout from last year so it's kind of what you're going to be left with going into the fall into harvest so what the stocks told us this week was that the feed consumption was up on corn soybeans and wheat so feed consumption is up stocks are down because of it so bullish report um, in the United States, which showed up in the markets on Wednesday. And, um, you know, moving into the next topic, barley. So I want to talk about barley because we haven't spent a lot of time talking about it. And um, what we're seeing is demand for export. Um, and when I say export, I'm talking about China, buying, I'm talking about Japan, I'm talking about the people that need malt barley and feed globally. Um, that demand has been kind of pushed further down the road as most companies are fairly bought up for the fall. So the demand for barley has shifted, you know, your January time period. Um, but if you look at the domestic market, your feed lots, it's kind of the opposite. They still have to cover a lot of fall demand. And the issue they're going to run into is that, you know, if you pencil in the acres of barley that are in kind of the dry zones, um, you know, your northern plains, uh, North Dakota, Montana, Alberta, Saskatchewan, there's about 22% of the barley acres in these zones. And with the added heat that we've seen, there's a lot at risk of that barley. Um, so first off, if the there was less wheat you know normally we have feed wheat a lot of feed wheat in Canada that goes into that barley market but a lot of that is now going to probably shift export or into the protein markets in the United States so there's going to be less feed that will fill feed demand um, for for those domestic feed lots there's going to be less corn that will fill that demand and barley is going to have to do it on its own so if barley has to do it on its own and even that crop is you know 22 percent of it is in that dry area barley and those feedlots are going to need stock. And so what that's going to do is I, I expect domestic feedlots to try to get ahead of the need and, and expect them to kind of be approaching a lot of people to try to sell. So um, domestic feedlots will look to cover and that should be good for your barley market. So we'll watch and, and see and just kind of pencil in where you're at on barley. The increase in feed could also be beneficial to things like peas and other feed commodities. Now, lastly, talking about weather, we've had the entire Pacific Northwest, as well as all of the prairies, basically see dry, 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 followed by heat blasting. Now, the heat blasting, you know, when we pull it into Canada and impact, we've got about 11 to 15 percent, if you count the peace country that is in threat area. Um, so dry followed by heat, right? So 11 to 15% of those areas are in the threat zone, I call it 22% of the barley, about 50% of the lentils, which is not surprising. That's where lentils are grown and about nine to 14% of the wheat. So not the entire Canadian crop, but a significant amount. What we are watching, I, I would say from an industry perspective is how much in that zone was in pollination or flowering kind of mindset for those plants those cannot take heat blasting and the markets will try to watch how much of those plants were in flower mode pollination mode during this heat blast event and how much is going to be impacted we cannot kill a crop july 2nd 
Um, we are expecting a little bit cooler, some showers to come next week to alleviate the concerns, but the markets will be watching. The other thing to reflect on spring wheat and canola in particular is how much of the market, so that they've been very bullish, you know, canola is up over 800. Spring wheat is, is also up well over $8. So, you know, those markets have been increased again this week on these dry concerns, but how much of that is penciled in already? So the market will go, yep, it's dry. You know, let's go bull, like let's move the market up, but how much and and when will, will it kind of just say, yep, it's already penciled in, now let's back off. So it'll be a timing thing to watch those markets for when they're going to top up. We're not out of the woods yet. I'm still fairly bullish, both, you know, canola, uh, maybe less canola, I would say, than I am wheat. I'm still bullish wheat, but watching to see the impacts to this dry, very important to see when the market taps out in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, in the United States, the weather is also hot and dry in the north. However, in the Midwest, where most of the corn and soybeans are about to go into their pollination time period, um, and, and that key time for them is basically July 5th to 10th to about the 30th. So those are, are just going into, um, you know, the productive stage on those plants. And they're expected to get a little bit cooler temperatures, which is going to be really good, followed by rain in the Midwest. So that is somewhat bearish on the market. Um, you know, all that being said, Iowa, 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 the market continues to talk about Iowa and 17% of the corn crop is planted there. So we will be watching how much rain Iowa gets next week. Um, because corn will set your barley, corn will set all of your cereals and be bearish if they get um, rain. If they don't get rain, expect some volatility. So that's it for me. Thanks.